Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. As Canadians, we like to think that we have pretty good health care. But of course, there are significant issues with the way that our system works. One of the biggest problems is the most basic, finding a family doctor or general practitioner. Almost 15% of Canadians don't have a family doctor, according to Statistics Canada. And even if you do have one, it's not always easy to get an appointment when you need one. Maybe we need to consider a different approach in addition to the concept of family doctors. Dr. Bob Bell has more than four decades of experience working in healthcare. He's an orthopedic surgeon, an adjunct professor of surgery at the University of Toronto, and a former CEO of University Health Network, which is Canada's largest health research organization. Oh, and he also spent four years as Ontario's deputy health minister in the previous Liberal government. He's on the show today to tell us what he thinks can be done to make sure that our healthcare system is meeting our needs. This is The Decibel. Bob, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Oh, Manika, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to this. So do you think that Canada's public health care system is broken? You know, we used to have cocktail parties in this country before COVID, right? And people <laughs> used to get together and they'd always come to me with their concerns about health care, sometimes with positive stories, but often about concerns. I hear generally that people are absolutely committed to the Medicare principles of ensuring that people get care based on their need rather than their ability to pay. But I also hear increasing concern, especially after the pandemic, when we had to close down because we were trying to protect our healthcare capacity and people saying, well, is our healthcare so weak hmm. that we had to do all that? Other places didn't, so what's wrong? One of the biggest issues in Canada that you're probably hearing from people is that they have trouble accessing basic primary care. So people can't find a family doctor, a GP, uh, or if they do have a doctor, they can't seem to, to get in to see them when they need to. Why are we in this situation? I'd say that's the number one thing that I hear from people. And back in the days when I was deputy minister, it was the number one thing that showed up on surveys. People were happy to have a family doctor in Ontario because most people at the time I was there and continuing, most people are able to identify a family doctor. 94% of people have someone they identify. But quite often it was a concern. You know, if I come home from work in the middle of the day and my kid's sick and I call the office, they say, go to Emerge. Hmm. And then when I talk to them after I go to Emerge, my kid's still sick, they say, uh, we'll give you an appointment for two weeks from now. And people say, that just doesn't seem right. So this is a basic question, though, but why, why is this an issue? Why can't people see their doctor? Yeah, well, there's a lot of data from my home province in Ontario that shows that part of the reason is that physicians are probably in their offices seeing patients a little less frequently than we might think they used to be. Hmm. You know, if we look at the most common model that primary care docs work in, in Ontario, it's something called the Family Health Organization. And this is a model where the doctors don't get paid on fee for service. They get paid based on what's called capitation. That is, they accept 
that they're going to look after you. You join their practice and they get a certain amount of money every year for looking after you, depending on how complex a healthcare challenge you represent, how old you are, what your gender is, do you have diabetes, other questions like that. And this model was developed in negotiations between the Ontario government and the Medical Association to try and improve the general health, to try to introduce this patient-centered medical home, that these doctors wouldn't just hold you to one question. They'd be interested in your holistic health and the health of your family. But the data shows, and the Auditor General of Ontario in 2016, you know, confirmed this, these doctors in this model, on average, and I'm not saying everybody because there are many doctors that are there six days a week, but on average is only in the office three and a half days a week. Understandably, you know, everybody's more interested today in work-life balance than they used to be. Everybody understands that, and that's a positive thing. We hear about doctor burnout. We don't want doctors to be burned out by any means, but we are hearing from people, I can't get in when I need to get in. And so is it an issue of having a shortage of doctors then? Well, half of Canada's doctors are primary care doctors. They're family doctors. There are about 46,000 family doctors in Canada of the roughly 100,000 that we have. And the number, according to, you know, something called CAIHI, the Canadian Institute for Healthcare Information, which monitors all this stuff and is a trusted third-party arbiter, tells us that those numbers have kept track with the population for the last few years. In fact, sometimes the number of doctors increased more than the population increase. Of course, there's a real problem with distribution, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a rural area, you're less likely to be able to identify a family physician than if you're in an urban area, because you know people like to live in urban areas, I guess. Harder to get people to move to more remote areas. Yeah. But this is the first time, Manika, that you and I have talked about this, but this has been a topic of concern for at least 10 years. And maybe we need to consider a different approach in addition to the concept of family doctors. So what kind of different approach? What, what, what are you proposing here? Well, you know, there are in Ontario 25 nurse practitioner-led clinics. And in Canada, we have about 7,000 nurse practitioners. These are nurses who've done their undergraduate degree. So after high school, they go to university and become registered nurses. And then they've done another two years of specialized training to become primary care nurse practitioners. There are a multitude of studies that have taken patients coming out of emergency rooms without a doctor, and they've divided half of them to nurse practitioners and half of them to primary care doctors. And they've looked at the patient's satisfaction and they've looked at the patient outcomes, how well is their diabetes managed, how well is their heart failure managed a year later. And guess what? Each one of those studies says the same thing. It says nurse practitioners get the same results at least as good as what primary care docs get. So, you know, I think, and my collaborators in this think that we should be training more primary care nurse practitioners. We should be saying to our nurses, you know, we want to give you an opportunity to expand your input in the Canadian healthcare system. Somehow our ministries of health have got stuck on the only solution to primary care is to get more doctors involved. And that's tricky because those doctors are small business owners. 
you know, unlike the nurse practitioners, they don't work five days a week in their offices or four days a week in their offices. They run a small business and their small businesses may not be in the office as much as their patients want them to be. Yeah. Help me understand this then, Bob. So what would be the difference between a nurse practitioner and, and a general practitioner, like a family doctor? Would you go see one kind of this, the same way as you would, you would go see a nurse practitioner the same way you would go see your doctor? How would that work? Yeah, absolutely. They would prescribe medications. They would order tests. They would refer to specialists. In many provinces, they actually can admit you to hospital. That varies province by province. But most of the functions that you expect to get from your family doctor can be provided by nurse practitioners. And this would, by definition, by the employment standards used to actually attract nurse practitioners to provide care, it would say one nurse practitioner is going to provide care to 800 patients by being in the office a certain number of days a week, a certain number of hours a day, a certain number of evenings and weekends. That's what we're adding to the system. And certainly in the United States, you know, most or a lot of primary care is done by nurse practitioners. It just hasn't caught on in Canada. Hmm. We are, of course, seeing a shortage of nurses in Canada right now, too, right? Lots of people leaving the profession because of of, of really intense burnout. How can nurses be the solution here if, if that field itself is already dealing with their own problems? We need to change the way that we value the nursing profession. We need to change the way that we compensate the nursing profession. We need to attract more young people into nursing, no question. And we, part of the way we might do that is by saying, and we're going to give you a career trajectory that includes the ability after four years of undergraduate training to become an RN and two years especially training to become a primary care nurse practitioner, that we're going to provide you with an autonomous practice looking after 800 people. That is a very attractive job offer. It would take away kind of the monopoly that doctors have in in many places on this kind of care. Would this essentially mean that doctors lose money? No, it wouldn't. Not, Not a penny. I mean, you know, we need more primary care access. I don't know if we need more primary care practitioners, but we need more primary care access. Many, many family doctors in this country provide excellent care. People would never think of leaving their family doctor if they're providing great care. Someone who couldn't see their family doctor, would they possibly think that, oh, I've heard that nurse practitioner gives great care. Maybe I'll move my health care provider over to that nurse practitioner office. Well, you know, if that happens, fair enough. Probably means that there'd be a bit of competition. But I think we're far from competition at this point. At this point, we simply need more access to primary care. And everybody's telling us that. Bob, let's let's turn to wait times here. I think many people in Canada can relate to the chronic issue of waiting uh, at least months to see a specialist, uh, like, like a dermatologist or something. Uh, how do we tackle this problem? Yeah, we hear people complaining about the length of time. But we have very poor data to understand, you know, what the wait times truly are and to understand what types of specialty services are suffering from long wait times. Right now, Canada collects pretty good data in most provinces about people who get surgery. But unless you're going for surgery and unless you get surgery, 
there's no wait time data, really. Very, very little. Mm-hmm. But the amount of time you mentioned dermatologists, it takes to see a dermatologist, a headache specialist, an asthma doctor, no information whatsoever. And so you how know, do we, how do we fix this? How do we okay. actually know these numbers? So here's the first recommendation that we have. You know, what happens when you go to a doctor and he says, I'm going to send you to see a headache specialist? He pulls out a piece of paper and he writes on the piece of paper and then he faxes it to the headache specialist, right? You've probably heard that or seen that. Why is that happening? And the thing is, that's part of medical practice. It's been there forever. It used to be better to have, rather than mailing a letter, you fax something. But, you know, that was 20 years ago. That seems kind of crazy that we're still using fax machines in 2022. Like, how is this a thing? Manika, the number of people that say, ax the fax, and how can we still be, is legion. But we're still doing it. And there's a much better way to do it that solves so many problems. And, you know, it starts off with something called e-referral which is a secure digital methodology, lots of apps available, the governments have paid for, they're not expensive, that seamlessly transmit information. You know, your family doctor probably has an electronic medical record, downloads that information from the medical record and sends it to the specialist. Now, is that just a substitution for the facts? No, it's more than that. It also is routed that referral will now be routed through the software application to the specialist appropriate to your needs. So the specialist who's defined as a headache specialist for your case, who has the shortest waiting list? Well, you know what? Queuing theory, theory that, you know, it's a, it's a fancy term for common sense, says if you route every referral to the person with the shortest waiting list, you're going to quite quickly reduce waiting lists by some percentage. So that's a good thing. The second thing is it gives information because now instead of this, you know, fax information that nobody knows what's going on back there in the fax machine, ministries can now monitor wait times like that referral to a headache specialist for Manica was sent yesterday and she didn't see that person for four months, five months. Chances are we need more headache specialists in the region that Manica is working. Or we need a different model for how we provide headache consultations. Rather than waiting to see neurologists, maybe people need to see a primary care doctor with special interest in headaches who knows how to handle many of the problems that are currently waiting to see a neurologist. So that's the first thing. E-referral gives us information. It shortens wait times. The other thing it does is it saves money because, you know, a lot of tests get ordered in Ontario or across the rest of Canada. A lot of people are ordering tests, MRI tests. And you know what? Some of those tests, which can be very expensive, like MRI tests, are being ordered on pieces of paper, using faxes, et cetera. And when you actually order them through e-referral, there is what's called decision support algorithms that determines, is that MRI really necessary? Like most of the MRIs, I'm going to tell you a little secret here, Manika. Most of the MRIs that are ordered in Canada today for MRIs are totally unnecessary. And we're spending tens of millions of dollars in each province on unnecessary testing. Now, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't need all the MRI capacity we got because we still have a big backlog. But by using this e-referral mechanism and the decision support algorithms, I apologize for sounding 
like a wonk describing this to you. But, you know, this is one of the powers of using e-referral. The other thing that's out there that's, you know, really effective is something called e-consultation, where if the primary care doc says, you know, I'm pretty sure I know the solution for Manica's headaches. Manica, I hope you don't want to have headaches. I hope I'm not thinking about your personal health information. I'm good. You can use me as an example. You can go ahead. Anyway, you know, I got a feeling that what she has is she has migraine. I should start her on this medication. But I'm not positive. Do I need an MRI? Do I need an extra test? Do I need to try something else? Your doctor can do something called request an e-consultation where it puts some information on this e-consultation software, again, goes from the electronic medical record to a specialist who will review that information, look at all the tests that have been done and say to your primary care doc, to your family doc, hey, yeah, that's the medication you should use try it and let me know how she does. Hmm. And you know, the average time to get a knee consultation in Ontario is two days. That's great, yeah. So the next question you're gonna ask me, why aren't we doing this? Yeah, why aren't we doing this? Because we've got, it's costing less money, reducing wait times. We're actually getting data on like where we need people. So yeah, why, why is this not happening? And the answer is it's inertia, right? It's resistance to change. Some of the software programs need to be improved so that they're more seamless for family docs to use. Some of them, e-consult programs have a separate sign-on that docs don't like. But, you know, the challenge of getting rid of the facts should be straightforward to accomplish. These programs are paid for by ministries of health across the country, and they're simply not being taken up. It's a question of resistance to change. So literally the doctors know how to do it a certain way and don't want to modernize that? Did you say that? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the case. You know, I, you know I, that's pretty much it, right? It's hard to change what you're doing. You're used to writing on a piece of paper and faxing it somewhere. Now, you know, I don't want to make too light of the fact that these need to be more seamless than they currently are, but most of them I've used them, they're pretty good. And, you know, the other thing is, like, I hate to say this, but doctors respond to financial issues, right? We need to say, look, in each province, we're going to negotiate a date. This is an important issue. We need to ask the facts. We need to have a date whereby if you're not getting your referral on an e-referral system specialist, we're going to have to discount the amount of money you get because you're not providing a full service. So one of the solutions that's often talked about for our healthcare system is moving to a two-tier system, which would basically mean privatizing part of Canada's healthcare. Our neighbors to the south, the U.S., are, are known for this privatized healthcare system. Uh, and Bob, you actually worked there for a bit. What was working in the U.S. like? Yeah, well, I'm a cancer surgeon by background. Um, so I looked after tumors like Terry Fox tumors, those kinds of cancers. And, you know, working in the United States is this incredible dichotomy because some of the best healthcare in the world, a lot of the best healthcare in the world, a lot of the advances that we all rely on come from the United States. But before you can apply those advances to people, you have to check and see what kind of insurance they have, right? Hmm. And I got kind of disturbed by having to phone up an insurance company and say, can I operate on this guy who needs this operation? And I'm probably the best person around here to provide it. Uh, not that I'm arrogant, but sometimes that's true, was true. But they would say, no, you can't do that. He's got the wrong insurance. He needs to go to the city hospital. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas here, never had to phone an insurance company. I would just describe to the patient what was the best treatment for them and be able to provide it to them immediately. And that's why I came back to practice in Ontario rather than practicing in the States. Hmm. And what we need to do in Canada is treasure, treasure our Medicare system and make it better for everybody. Because as we've been talking about, Manica, there are things we can do that don't cost us more. In fact, they're not only faster and better, they're more cost effective, they're a bit cheaper. And there are things that we can do without spending more money that can make our care better. And that's what we need to do for everybody. Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Manika, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today. You can read more from Dr. Bell and his colleagues on how to fix Canada's public health care system on The Globe's website, theglobeandmail.com. You'll find that in the opinion section. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our intern is Emily McPhail. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.